Are you trying to work to please God? Jesus has a word for you today. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. They said, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And you would think that Jesus would give some long list. Here's all the works you should do. Do this and do that. Because from their hearts, they're going, what can I do? I want to strive to please God. I want to work to please God. And then verse 29, how does Jesus answer? He said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him. This is amazing grace. Maybe you grew up in a church that boiled the Christian life down to a list of do's and don'ts. And after you went out there and gave it your best shot, you were left frustrated and discouraged as you simply didn't measure up. Well, today on Abounding Grace, we'll discover that Jesus has set us free from that sort of burden. Instead, he calls us to live a life of faith and belief. Pastor Ed Taylor focuses on just a few verses today in Romans chapter 8, and they are verses 2 through 4. Before we get there, Pastor Ed pays a quick visit to Colossians. This law, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of life in Christ, the gospel, the good news, has freed us from the law of sin and death, freed us from the Torah, the Ten Commandments. Jot this down, Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, you being dead in your trespasses and this uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. Paul would later write to the church in Galatia that the law had its purpose. Remember, the law wasn't done away with. The law today is still holy. It's still just. It's still good. It has its purpose. What it does is it points us to Jesus Christ. Paul calls in Galatians chapter 3, you can jot it down, he calls the law a schoolmaster, a tutor. But that once Jesus Christ comes and faith in Jesus Christ comes, there's no longer a need for the tutor. We now have everything that we need by faith in Jesus Christ. You can look at the law of sin and death like the law of gravity, if you will. You and I and all here today, we are bound by the law of gravity. That's why we're not floating around the room. Or take it down another step. We go down to DIA and we walk into the airport. We go through the terminal. You know what we're going to find at all the gates? Airplanes. We're going to find airplanes that weigh tons. You put people on it, you put baggage into it, and it's only heavier. And they're all sitting on the ground. Why? They're tethered to the ground by the law of gravity. But let's say you get into that plane, and you're taking off, and it begins to taxi out and go onto the runway, and you know something's about to happen, don't you? You're going to hear those engines turn on. You're going to start feeling the thrust of the airplane, and it's going to be one of the best times of being a plane, isn't it? The takeoff is... It's your belly's all doing, it's great. Now, next time you feel that sensation, understand something. A different law is superseding the law of gravity. Actually, there's a few laws. The law of aerodynamics, the law of thrust, the laws of lift are going to take that 
piece of tonnage of metal filled with people and baggage, and it is going to go up, and it's going to supersede the law of gravity for a season. Even so in the spiritual realm, the law anchoring down like gravity, always pulling is because it feels so much more comfortable, doesn't it? If you just give me the five things I need to do, I'll just do those five things, Ed. It seems so more comforting if we have these religious rituals in our lives that we'll just follow the religious rituals. It seems so much easier, and yet it's a tether. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ lifts us up, supersedes the law of gravity, the law, the Ten Commandments, and allows us to live a life far above, far above the anchor of the law. We're free to live for Jesus Christ by faith. You know, they came to Jesus. They asked him a question. You can jot it. No, let's turn there. John chapter 6. Flip over to John chapter 6, a few pages to the left. It's a good thing to hear the pages turn. It's a good thing to have Bibles and to use them. John chapter 6, you have a problem finding, you know, a book. Don't, don't, just look at the table of contents. That's okay. You're going to learn the books of the Bible. Trust me. The more you turn, the more you look. Some of you just need to get those little tabs, you know. Oh, I can't get those little tabs. Ed. That's cheating. That's not cheating. Don't let anyone tell you that's cheating. It's not cheating. You get to learn the books of the Bible. You get to grow. You get to understand. And notice, they came to Jesus, and they asked him. Because they're, they're coming from a perspective of the law. They're coming from a perspective of works. They said, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And you would think that Jesus would give some long list. Here's all the works you should do. Do this and do that. Because from their hearts they're going, what can I do? I want to strive to please God. I want to work to please God. And then verse 29, how does Jesus answer? He said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him. That you believe in him whom he sent. We are free. How? Is it by working hard? No. Is it by our experience and our training? No. By following rules and regulations, by having the right clothes, by wearing Christian t-shirts, by having a big Bible, from being experienced in ministry? Is it any of those things? No, it's by faith. The simplicity of faith. Every service that we have an opportunity to see people surrender their lives to Jesus Christ and become born again as a picture of the life that you and I should be living daily. You know, we get around the block for a while, we get a few years under our belt, and then we think we have it all figured out. We think we have all the answers. And we can turn here and answer this, and we know that already, and oh, I've heard this Bible study before. And we lose the simplicity of just listening for the voice of God and obeying Him, being excited that our sins are forgiven. He says in verse 3, back in Romans 8, what the law could not do in that it was weak. You know why the law was weak? It's always looking outwardly, always wanting outward change. Well, change this behavior, change this attitude. And there are churches that do that. You need to change this attitude, change this behavior. Instead of shooting for the heart and praying for the heart, the Ten Commandments, the Torah, the rules, the regulations that correspond to it was weak and is weak because it can't change our flesh. 
All it can tell us to do is what, something outwardly. It can't change us on the inside. My inability to keep the law showed its weakness. It was my flesh. You know, a lot of you work in the business world, and I love it because I did too for a while, and they would send you to all these seminars, these improvement seminars, and how to be better at this, and how to be better at that, and they're really good, and you can take some really good principles away from that, and, and you can be excited and encouraged, and that's why your company's sending you, so you get encouraged, and you come back ready to tackle another week, another month, it's wonderful, and one of the things they tell you to do, they ask you to write down things on three by five cards, don't they? They so just write out your goals on three by five cards, put your dreams on cards, and put them in your pocket, tape them on your refrigerator tape them on the mirror in your bathroom, tape them on your rear view mirror, tape them on your speedometer. And that's why some of you are speeding, because you got little goals right there on your speedometer. So that every time you wake up, you can remember, this is the goal, this is the goal. And as long as you're following the goal, aren't you encouraged? You're like, this is something new, this is something fresh. Oh, I wake up in the morning and I see it up on the mirror, yes. I go in to get my orange juice, I see it on the refrigerator, yes. I go into the car and I look at my river, yes, this is great. This is going to be something new in my career. Until you fail a couple days. Maybe you accidentally wash the pants with the cards in the back pocket. And you're like, oh, what was my goal again? Or you get busy and you stop and you revert to back to some bad habits. And you get to the place now where you don't want to see those cards anymore. Because when you see those cards, they remind you of your failure. And you don't want to see it. You look at it in the mirror and you go, take that down. You go over to get some more juice. I don't want to see that anymore. Because as good as it is, and it's wonderful to set goals and to strive for being better and where God has you so you can be a better steward of your time, so you can be a greater ambassador of Jesus Christ at work, wonderful and great. But realize this. The problem is not in the rule. The problem is in your flesh and your inability and your own strength to change anything about yourself. It's the power of God that does the work in us, gang. It's His Spirit. It's Him moving in us. Yes, the cards are great. The cards are encouraging when you're doing them. But when you fail and when you stumble, they start to condemn you for your failures. And if you are prone in this direction, you start to condemn yourself and become very, very frustrated. And notice, what the law couldn't do, God did. And so I would say, as you're putting up those cards all over the place, include prayer for God to do the change in you. God, change me in this area. I really want to grow in this. It's going to make me better. It's going to give me opportunity. It's going to open the door for me to share with many, many more people. See, it's not the problem with the cards. It's a problem with our flesh. What the law couldn't do, God did by sending his own son to pay the price. That's what he says. He says at the end, God did by sending his own son, Romans 8, 3, in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin and mine. So that if you're here today and you would say, I have never been born again. I am disconnected from God. I'm caught up in everything else. I've, I'm very spiritual, but I'm not connected to God. I, I love God, but I haven't placed my faith in Jesus Christ. In just a few moments, you're going to have an opportunity to respond. That God has been speaking to your heart. For many of us here, we are here in Bible study, and God's teaching us new truths. But for you, God has one truth to share with you, and that is He loves you. And He wants you to turn from your sin and turn to Him. You'll be amazed how much understanding you'll have of a Bible study once you're born again. God begins to open up your eyes in wonderful ways, pouring himself into you. Do you know the law is constantly saying do, do, 
do, do. But you know what the gospel says? Done. The law outwardly is saying, do this and do that and keep this and keep that. But the gospel, the gospel says, done. You know why? Because whether the law was weak, God did. God is finished. God has provided. Notice what he's provided, verse 4. The righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled. The requirements of the law have been fulfilled by your faith and mine for those that don't walk according to the flesh, but a walk according to the Spirit. What God, what God has moved in to do, the law couldn't do it, you couldn't do it, I couldn't do it. Out of compassion and love and grace, God has done it for you. I read about a father and his daughter that were out in the Canadian prairies where many, many wildfires would come down through the prairies there. And as they're out for a walk, they could see that trouble was coming. There was a big fire coming their way, and there was no way to outrun it. They couldn't go to the left. They couldn't go to the right. They could not retreat. It was only a matter of time before that fire would engulf them. The daughter, she doesn't know what to do. She's sorrowful. She's, beginning, she's becoming afraid. She looks to her dad for help. What she couldn't do, her dad did. You see, he understood as he saw the fire coming that if he would just take the matches out of his pocket and burn the grass that was around them, by the time the fire came, the fire would and did pass them over. You see, sitting there in the position of the daughter, as many of us are, we, are, we have that type of life. We're not understanding quite really what God's going to do, but we can't do it. We don't know how to accomplish it. And as we're there waiting upon the Lord, He does what you and I can't do. And it's interesting because He starts to do things that are confusing. It doesn't make sense now, does it, to escape a fire that you start a fire? Like, what is that? It's kind of like some of you are like right at the brink of financial ruin and you're praying for God to deliver you and another bill comes in the mail. And you're like, what is this? I need to get out from that. I don't need another bill. But it's an opportunity, isn't it, for God to show up and do what you can't do. So I'm so angry and frustrated all the time. So God, why did you put me in a place where I'm only angry and frustrated with my coworkers? Can't you put me in a place where I like people? And yet God has allowed and arranged some things in your life to show you that what you can't do, He'll do. By the hope of glory, Jesus Christ, who dwells in you. Let me close in 2 Corinthians. Would you turn there with me as we come to the communion table? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, a summary of the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, a difference between the law of the Spirit of life in Christ, which is the New Covenant, and the law of sin and death. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We'll pick up in verse 4. A great contrast. Paul writes to the church in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4, And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves, because we're not, to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. Remember, he was given the Ten Commandments? And that story is recorded for us in Exodus. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Verse 9. For if the ministry of condemnation 
had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even when what was made glorious had no glory in this respect, because in the glory that excels, for if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. He, can, he takes the law, the old covenant and the new covenant, and he compares them. He says the old covenant is the law of sin and death. The new covenant is the law of spirit and life. You're taking notes. You want to jot these down. There are going to be people in your life that come and want to drag you back to the old covenant. They want to drag you back to the law. They don't understand Romans. They don't understand Romans chapter 8. They don't understand Galatians chapter 3 or Colossians chapter 3 or the entirety of Jesus' living message as he taught us through the Gospels. See, the old covenant is the law of sin and death. The new covenant is the law of spirit and life. The old covenant is a ministry of death, whereas the new covenant is the ministry of life. The old covenant, it says, was written on stones. It was external. It was demanding external outward change and conformity. Whereas the new covenant is written on the hearts of believers. The new covenant. Where your nature is changed. Where you're a new creation in Christ. There's an internal change. There's a wonderful work that God is doing. Now I want to do the will of God. And I know today... In our society, there's, there's a lot of discussion, a lot of debate about the Ten Commandments. And we need to have the Ten Commandments left in the courtroom. And we, they're not letting the Ten Commandments over in, in the parks. And, and we've got to rise up and we've got to have the Ten Commandments in the courtroom. We've got to... Listen, listen, listen. The Ten Commandments are in the courtrooms today. And they're in the public schools. And they're in your workplace. Because God has written the Ten Commandments on your heart. Everywhere you go now, you take God's word with you. And there's so much energy expended and so much debate being offered. Oh, if we take the Ten Commandments over, we will no longer be a godly nation. Listen, we are not a godly nation. Every day in our nation, thousands of little babies are killed. Our nation mocks the name of God that is on our money. The godliness in our nation is not from the government, friends. It's from the believers that live in this nation. That if those that are called by God's name will humble themselves and pray, God's blessings will come. If we're going to spend time and energy and effort, as I think we should, let it be focused on ministering to people with God's word. Let it be to reaching out and loving people in Jesus' name. Helping them understand. See, it's not just the Ten Commandments up on a wall anymore. Now it's the Ten Commandments written on your heart so that when you come in, not only can you share God's Word, but you can explain it, leading people to an understanding of His great grace. You see, because God's Word is written on your heart, in those times when you forget your Bible, and I, I know you should, you should have your Bible everywhere. You should have a Bible in your car. You should have a Bible in your desk. You should have a Bible in your pocket. You should have a Bible. You should have the Word of God everywhere you go. But perhaps you don't one day. Do you know that you will still walk humbly with your God? I mean, let's say you got a pocket full of $50 bills and you're over at King Supers and you're hungry. You grab a Snickers. You go, well, I think I'll steal the Snickers. Do you know what's not going to stop you? What's not going to stop you is the $50 in your pocket. What's going to stop you is the Spirit of God dwelling in your heart. It's going to say, son, not a good idea. Daughter, that might not be something you want to do. Not going to give you a great witness with the people around here to see you with a wad of $50 bills ripping off a Snickers. That's not my will for your life. 
You don't need someone to read the scriptures to you. Thou shalt not steal because the Holy Spirit tells you from the inside out. Oh, please, friend, take your Bible around. Keep it with you all the time. Let there never be a time when you don't have the Word of God with you and upon you because it'll be that tool that you use to minister to people or it'll be the tool that God uses to minister to you. But also, remember, the Word of God's written on your hearts. He's taken out that heart of stone and He's replaced it with a heart of flesh. I remember back at the time when we were meeting at the school, on one Sunday I had forgotten my Bible. I mean, this is my, my Bible. This has 16 years of ministry and it notes and and I've only had two Bibles in my life they both have been identical this is the newer one where I spent months and months copying all my notes from my old Bible into this one this is a precious Bible I don't want to lose this I don't want to leave it I want it with me all the time and one Sunday I left it at the school at least I thought and I didn't get a wink of sleep all night I had nightmares I could see me at the school looking at the window where the kids were in the cafeteria. They weren't going to let me in. And there were kids with my Bible ripping the pages out going, ah, ha, ha, pastor boy, take this. I lost my Bible. That's my Bible. I couldn't sleep all night. I woke up at 5 a.m. in the morning, which was a miracle for me, for Ed Taylor. 5 o'clock in the morning, and I rushed down to the school. I sat in the parking lot. I beat the custodian there. He got there. I left my Bible. Went, ah, whatever. And he went, opened the door. I rushed in, and there it was on an orange chair, my Bible. Oh, my Bible. Treasure God's words, friends. I'm not encouraging you because God's written it on your heart that you don't need it, that you don't use it. Oh, yes, you do. Treasure. Fall in love with God's Word because when you fall in love with God's Word, you fall in love with the author of God's Word, God Himself. But remember, you take the Word of God with you everywhere. You will have the ability, as God's Word has been written on your heart, to change people, to love them into the kingdom. The Old Covenant was temporary. Its glory faded, Paul says. But the new covenant has an eternal glory. The old covenant was the covenant of condemnation, whereas the new covenant was one of justification, new life, forgiveness of sins. And the truth is that we have been released from the law of sin and death and now live a life empowered from the inside out, a life that pleases God, a life void of condemnation, a life free of the weight of legalism, a life now that we are free to follow after the Lord, to serve in the newness of life. Romans chapter 8 is so refreshing, isn't it? There's no condemnation, but rather freedom in Christ. We'll hear more from Pastor Ed Taylor in a moment as Abounding Grace continues. If you'd like to hear today's message again, log on to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Again, we're on the web at AboundingGraceRadio.com. You can also download our free app and access our teachings that way. Search for Calvary Aurora. Do you want to be used by God? I hope your answer is yes. And if so, you'll want to get a copy of Pastor Chuck Smith's book called The Man God Uses. It's our featured resource here in the month of March. 
Pastor Chuck reveals five essential components of prayer, the danger of the lukewarm gospel, and the secret to the apostle's boldness in the man God uses. He also underscores 14 characteristics to be found in the people God uses throughout the scriptures. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You might think of it as our way of saying thank you. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. You may not realize this, but we are listener-supported, and each dollar that's sent in is an investment in God's work. You'll be helping people all across the nation to become a man or woman that God can use. You can make a donation online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. With one final thought, here once again is Pastor Ed. Our nation mocks the name of God that is on our money. The godliness in our nation is not from the government, friends, it's from the believers that live in this nation. That if those that are called by God's name will humble themselves and pray, God's blessings will come. If we're going to spend time and energy and effort, as I think we should, let it be focused on ministering to people with God's word. Let it be to reaching out and loving people in Jesus' name. Helping them understand. See, it's not just the Ten Commandments up on a wall anymore. Now it's the Ten Commandments written on your heart so that when you come in, not only can you share God's Word, but you can explain it, leading people to an understanding of His great grace. What controls your mind? That's the question we bring before you tomorrow on Abounding Grace when Pastor Ed Taylor returns to Romans chapter 8. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.